0: All right. Three, two, one. (laughs) Fuck, Trey, you suck at this. Let's try that again. Three, Three.
1: two, one. Still looks like Trey's coming in slow, but that's okay. We'll be fine. Close enough, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Welcome to the Nerd Nostalgia Podcast with Trey, Irvin, and Brian. We have a wonderful episode for you tonight. We're going to be talking about...
1: Is your number one fandom
0: i think coheed yours has got to be Koheed or avatar
1: i have
2: obviously
0: the movie avatar
2: <laughs> obviously um not
0: the, not the one by james cameron but the one by m night Shyamalan. M. Night
2: Shyamalan. i have probably out of all of this like collectible stuff that i have it'd probably be coheed because i have you know all of the books and all of the albums and all of the and autographs and shirts and stuff like that and because that's you know that's a that's a thing that always has well I've I've been a fan of theirs since you know the early 2000s and so you know that's 20 years of listening to their music reading the books and reading the comics and collecting the stuff and going to shows and stuff like that but because it's you know two things that I really like which is the music and then also the comic books and the stories and everything that are behind it and the writing and and everything like that. It's like a double fandom because I know that there are people that are just really into the music. And that's cool, but there is a whole other fandom you can belong to which is the stories and the comics and 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 not even really just the stories that are related to coheed and stuff. I mean, he he started his own comic book label, Evil Ink. So it's like you have all of the other properties that he produces that aren't even related to the music. They just, that's just something that he came up with or his wife came up with or another writer or, or whatever it is. So I guess, well, let,
0: let, let me, hey, Trey, let me cut you off real quick. When you're talking about Coheed, you mean Coheed and Cambria, the band?
2: Yes. Or Claudia. How Sanctuary. many
0: cons, how many concerts have you been to for Coheed and Cambria?
2: I'd probably say in the neighborhood of 40, maybe 30, 30 or 40. 40. Well, cause it's like, it's like one or two a year for almost 20 years. Are they still touring? Uh, we're not, they, I mean, obviously not now. Right, but. they were. They were supposed to have one this summer that I already had tickets for, but they didn't, obviously, because of everything that's going on. And so they, they canceled that show. If I had
0: never heard of Coheed and Cambria before, and I came to you as a babe in the woods, what what album, what song would you introduce me to? to get me hooked or to at least give me an idea of what I was in for.
2: I would probably do No World for Tomorrow because that album has a little bit of everything.
0: And No, no World for Tomorrow is an album? It's an album.
2: Uh, let me get you the... They have the longest album titles. So it's Good Apollo, I'm Burning Star 4, Volume 2, No World for Tomorrow. Is was When did that come out? It was 2007. Seven. Okay, so yeah. Two thousand seven. And so that that album I feel like has the Good Apollo so there's volume so volume two is the one I'm talking about, but there's volume one and volume two, so it's Good Apollo, I'm Burning Star four, volume one, which is gonna be From Fear Through the Eyes of Madness is a little bit heavier, bluesy. That came out in two thousand six, I think. And no, two thousand five. So it came out at the end of two thousand five and then No World for Tomorrow came out at the end of two thousand seven. And those two albums, I feel like, are the ones that they went um, kind of all over the place. Like a lot of the, what they're known for, which is a little bit of rock, kind of metal-ish feel to it. But then they would do like a kind of a poppier you know, just a rock song, and it's kind of poppy and catchy and stuff like that, but then they'd go into, like, really heavy blues riffs as well on a different song. And so, like, each song was a little bit different. Like, that's something that... So that would give you a good jumping-off point, in my eyes, to be able to kind of feel what you like about them and what you don't, and then you can jump onto other albums that have similar feels to those songs that they did. One thing
0: I've never understood about that band is can you have a full appreciation for the story without the comics or do you need the the music and the comics in order to really
2: understand what's going on? I say the music and the comics but that's a personal thing for me because I want to know like I'm one of those ones that I want to know what is the background like I'm watching an episode of like Doctor Who or something right and they'll mention this offhand thing and I'll go down a wikipedia rabbit hole or, or a wiki like a doctor who wiki rabbit hole to figure out okay why did this all happen and irvin and i were actually talking about this a couple weeks ago so i started rewatching doctor who not from the original stuff just from the newer so it would be the ninth doctor i think the stuff that came out like 2005 2006 And when that started with chris mm-hmm. eccleston mm-hmm. and i started re-watching all of those and have gotten to a point to where they're really talking about like the time war and I'm like, I want to know more about the time war. I want to know, like, actually how this happened. And I know that there's some stuff that comes up a little bit later because I've already seen most of it. I haven't seen anything with um, Peter Capaldi or the female doctor, and I can't remember her name off the top of my head, the actress's name. But um, like, that's that's the kind of digging that I do personally. So with Coheed, you can you can appreciate the music, like if I mean, I guess if you like that type of music, and it's not for everybody. But like, if you, if you do like that type of music and you can listen to it and kind of hear the story and it, and like, you can, let's just say, read the liner notes, kind of get a feel for what's going on. Wait, what are liner
0: notes? Or just read the lyrics. Like, no, I mean, I guess is is liner notes. What, what do you mean when you say that? Yeah, like,
2: like the the stuff that's in the booklet, right? Like if you oh, buy okay, a CD okay, so or, the... or a, an album or whatever. Because I'm talking starting to listen to them in the early 2000s, right? Mm-hmm. And back
0: when you had to go to a store and buy a CD and buy something called I, I know no one knows what I'm talking about, but it's called a compact disc. <laughs> and yeah, and do you remember then, what do you remember what they came in? By the way, Irvin, do you remember what they called the box that it came in? No, I don't. God, you young piece of shit.
2: It's called, yeah, it's called
0: a jewel case, right? Yeah. I wonder why it was called that. Anyway, so sorry. So you you read the the liner notes, the lyrics,
2: and there, yeah, because I remember um, in some of their earlier stuff, so second stage turbine blade and um, in keeping the secret to Silent earth three, you would read the lyrics and you would read like they would have like little notes kind of in the in the booklet, right? So you would read that kind of get a feel for the story or whatever. And then they actually started publishing the comics and it was like, Oh, that is this, that is this and whatever. And so like at the beginning of the first comic that they did for second stage turbine blade, it has like a breakdown of his universe. And so like the name Coheed and Cambria makes sense because you read the comics and then the artwork that they do on all the album cover, which is just the, the triangle with all the circles Um, like you understand that that's heaven's fence and like you know you kind of get into okay like the imagery makes sense now because it's actually telling as a part of the story Mm -hmm. the only
0: thing I remember is that you showed me a comic back I think we were in high school and all I remember from the comic is that Coheed I think is a boy Mm -hmm. yeah, and Cambria is a girl Mm -hmm. and I think they're either married or they've got babies they're married and babies yeah and Coheed has the power that swords come out of him.
2: And that's all I know. That's right. He's the beast. That's his code name.
0: That's all that's all I remember from that experience 20 something, eh, more like 15 years ago.
2: And so like yeah, you can be a fan of Coheed and Camry, but then you also have to be a fan of Claudio Sanchez because Claudio Sanchez is the lead singer of Coheed and Cambri. He's the writer. He's the one that wrote all of their albums so far. And then he also has like his own little projects that he does where he has, you know, his comics that he does. He has Kill Audio is a is one of his comic series and it's Claudio, but it's Kill Audio is the name of the series. And I haven't read it, but I, I like I know it's out there. But then he also does like his one off musical projects and he has a solo musical thing that he does. It's called um Prize Fighter Inferno. And it's about secondary characters within that universe and so he kind of di- dives into those secondary characters so like like Brian was saying so you have Cody and Cambrio they were two parts of a of a three part of a three person team called the KBI which was the knowledge beast and in inferno and they were basically super assassins that were gifted with special powers and so the beast was actually just he was basically a juggernaut and he had like swords that would come out of his arms and stuff like that he's pretty much impervious to bullets and shit and then you had the knowledge, who was Cambria, and she was telepathic and she had telekinesis, and so she was kind of the the brains and whatever. And then you had the Inferno, who wild card, yeah, exactly what he was. And so like he was like the pilot and the demolitions expert and like could brew like you know he was he was more of the terrorist piece of it, and he was actually Koheed's brother Jesse, and so prize fighter inferno is his story is like his mm. story after all of this stuff goes on and everything like that and he actually plays he plays a pretty big role in the comics in the arc but everything is mostly focused around coheed and cambria and their family which they have several children and stuff like that so
0: so guys to summarize trey's favorite fandom of coheed and cambria in order to properly enjoy the music you have to read a bunch of comic books <laughs> You've got to read another you've got to listen to another band about a side character and you've actually got to study Claudio Sanchez's biography because if you figure out all of his male relatives and alphabetize them by their middle names. Then you're able to decode the secret prize fighter inferno I don't know, this is all too complicated. This is some <laughs> Oh but that this is but that's Robert, not even, this I is mean, a but, Robert Langdon, there's like a dead priest oh, like yeah. carved up and oh, on fire yeah, dude, in a church. you remember
1: that tree on the page two of the first fucking thing? Mm-hmm. That's a big deal. Mm-hmm. Go back and look at that without mm-hmm. that you're fucked for the rest of the shit. So see
0: I I get mad because I read the Lord of the Rings and they're like, "Oh yeah, well, you got to read the Similarian too because there's like a whole bunch of like backstory." It's like, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> does Aragorn get his sword and does he stab
2: orcs with it? That's all I care about. <laughs> well, so and I'm like but I've always kind of been drawn to stuff like that. And and you know, like that where there's this universe and then you kind of open up into that universe and it's just like there's so much backstory and and, you know, so many adaptations and fan fiction and da 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 I mean, it just, so just like this world goes on and on and on and on. And and your explanation of it, and I, I probably have brought this book up on the podcast before, but it's called House of Leaves by um, Daniel Lesky, I think is his last name. And Anyway, the way that that book is written and i know that i've given it to one of you guys and i can't remember who it was i think it may have been oh, you urban and then it got stolen out of your car I remember whenever we got that backpack of books stolen out of your car someone stole a book out of a car no rush. he stole and his he backpack and yeah, it was full oh, it was and full and so, of my books and it, yeah, i was,
1: I was so, coming to return them to and, him
2: and then they got And then stolen. that guy was probably like picked it up but F- it was heavy and he's like fuck yeah and then he got <laughs> down the street <laughs> and he's bricks like bricks of in here the damn gold was knowledge that
1: guy's, a, that guy's a lawyer now, actually, as it turns out. <laughs> like, but, uh, I'm, gonna,
0: I'm gonna end my life of petty thief thievery and I'm gonna commit myself to knowledge
2: now, guys. So the there's Knowledge and the Law. <laughs> so there's like this this book, or one of those books that was in there, you you read it and it was written on like posted notes and scraps of paper, and like it's part of the story where this guy had found like this trunk like a big like steamer trunk full of just pieces of leaves and pieces of trash like a mcdonald's wrapper and post-it notes and like an actual journal and then like the insides of other books written sideways across the other letters was a story and he had transcribed all of that to um, his novel but he actually kept it in the format that he found it and so like there would be like six posted notes on one page and you would have to read like the posted notes in order to actually understand the story it was the hardest well no it wasn't the hardest thing i'd ever read but it was up there and it was just i'd i quit <laughs> i mean it was one of those but so like he was saying yeah you got to go over here and listen to this and then watch this and then read this and then you'll really understand the story. That was kind of it because you would read like 20 pages and it would be like refer to page 175 and then you have to go there and then come back and do all that kind of stuff. And so it was really interesting and, I mean, it was a it was a good story. It was, The story was about a house that's bigger on the inside than it is on the outside. Mm-hmm. And while that's... A house of holding... Pretty much, yeah. And so while that doesn't sound... It it became a horror story. Because while it doesn't sound very scary, they end up getting on a bicycle and opening a door, and there's a hallway in there, and they keep riding down the hallway on a bicycle um, for miles. And then they get stuck, and they have to come back and all kinds of stuff. And there's there's something there making the inside of the house bigger, and what is it? And, And so it's... It's, I mean, it's, yeah, it's kind of, those, yeah, it's like one of those little psychological thriller things. And it was, like I said, it was a good book, but it, it was hard to read, mm-hmm. but for a reason, I think. And then when you finished remember, it, you were like, yeah. I think, I think we're going
1: to have to have you and your brother do a whole episode just on, on this lore and stuff. Cause it really is interesting stuff, but oh, I man. feel like you're, you're scratching the surface right now.
2: It's well. It's it's like. And if trying you had to... like somebody
1: because me and me and Brian are just like here, like just shaking our heads for everybody that's that's listening in. We're just like enthralled by it. Like it's it's super interesting, but at the same time, no, I'm
0: just pissed because it's like just fucking put it in order. Like don't tell me to flip to page one seventy five. <laughs> just put you one, fucking page one seventy five right on page thirty four. Yeah.
1: Like it's just that easy. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you could write one seventy five at the bottom, and I know that was on page one seventy five. But it's... yeah, like page. I mean, don't 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 well, make don't make my but, job. You know, hard. from from like a,
2: from like a coheed <laughs> perspective. Like, I'm not an expert by any means. Like, I enjoy it, and I like the you're music. You're an enthusiast. I'm an enthusiast. enthusiast. I'm an enthusiast. We're
1: not fucking nerd experts, kind of, if you're listening to this. You, we obviously are. But no, we're fucking just enthusiasts. Irvin, we're selling our expertise on this subject
0: matter. <laughs> That's why people come to us. That and for the sexy, dulcet tones of
1: the three of exactly. us. Exactly.
2: So there, it's, it's just me. now gotten to the mm-hmm. point mm-hmm. to where there have been enough of the... Com- so I... I feel like there was a lot of stops and starts, and like he would, because he's dealing with record labels, and then he's dealing with comic book creators, and he's dealing with artists. Even though even though he's a pretty decent artist, like he wanted somebody else to draw his, his comics for him, and he wanted to write them. and so like he's having to contend with all these different things, and so like he released like five issues of the first series, which was um, second stage turbine blade, and so he released those under one comic label. And then they either dropped him or he didn't like them or whatever. So then he like moved to another label and then he ended up doing like a graphic novel for one of the albums. And then he wrote a freaking novel, like a full novel for another one. And so it's just, there's, there wasn't a whole lot of consistency for me. And that bugs me personally, because I'm a omnibus guy. Like I like my library editions of my comic books. Like when it's done, give it to me in a hardback and I will read it from cover to cover and enjoy it thoroughly. But if I have to scrounge and wait and do all that kind of stuff that doesn't that doesn't do well for me.
0: Yeah, but okay, Trey, you you're not thinking about how big this problem is because you're thinking about oh my, my books are a problem. But I need you to imagine 20 years in the future when your son is in college and they are making the cinematic universe of Coheed and Cambria and they can't figure out who the fuck owns the rights to every single one of these different comics. And so it's going to be like Fox, although there's only going to be one media company in the future and it'll be Disney, but Disney will have to go and acquire like 50 different companies just in order to produce the series.
2: So you think that's why like Sandman is taking so long? Cause that's a vert- it's a vertigo. It's a vertigo property. But it has so many characters from all over DC. DC owns Vertigo, I'm, I'm pretty sure. I think they're a sub-label. Well, but I,
0: I think the issue with Sandman is going to be not so much who owns it. It's going to be more, and again, I have no idea, but my thought is: it's just like, what's your audience for that? Like, people that want to see Superman fight Morpheus or something? Again, I don't know. I really don't know anything about the, the story, but it, it does seem like it's not, it doesn't have the broad appeal that batman would have or the avengers sure so yeah you're so Irvin, we've heard from trey trey trey's trey's sort of what we'll call a deep diver in his fandom he likes something that he can kind of dive into and explore for a thousand years so what's your what's your biggest nerd dumb or fandom that you're a part of
1: man that's really tough i don't have just one specific thing like trey's was pretty easy that he was able to just find and say Coheed and Cambria And he, and he went on his uh, Conversation about it For me I dabble in everything I mean Trey knows That I like to go down The rabbit hole Just off of the things That interest me the most I mean I think you with... do
2: But I don't think you do it To the extent that I do Yeah Like I, I There's and And I do not suggest <laughs> Doing it <laughs> Doing it to the level That I do On certain things Like not everything I do that You know like yeah. I can I can appreciate Like Star Wars I haven't gone off the deep end much you know yeah Yeah. i've read about some of the old lore and stuff and original sith and like i don't even know if that's canon anymore but it was interesting somebody somebody took the time to write about it i'm gonna read about it but yeah go for it what what have you dove into the most i guess that's your that's probably gonna be your answer there because you like a lot of things
1: yeah i think i like a lot of things I, i would say the most recent thing would probably be game of thrones just because whenever that was coming out, like I read the books, read the graphic novels, read the, um, the comics, and then went into uh, learning the history before the history was out and published into basically that omnibus like you like. And so I would discover things, and then that's how, you know, the theory of R plus L equals J, right? Mm-hmm. Or A, if, uh, if you know what I'm talking about. If you're uh... following along. Right, exactly. So that was that was a big thing, but no, I would say I dabble a lot into the uh, DC universe, Marvel universe, and then another big one's going to be Game of Thrones. I know. A well, lot you're definitely about that. you're
2: more DC than you are Marvel, in my opinion, mm-hmm. for your allegiances. Yeah. What, and then your favorite DC character is going to be the Flash. For sure. So now, with because that, he's the fastest man alive. Right. Hmm and Wink. <laughs> um so okay with the with the flash though like how deep have you like obviously you've read some of the comics yeah I'm, i don't know if you've read them all but right <laughs> that's many. a lot that's a lot of them. also i don't it have sounds, the money it
0: sounds like irvin's irvin's big deep dive has been game of thrones how what what got you to do the deep dive into game of thrones was it just watching the show or at hmm. what point did you say like oh man i gotta read all the comics now
1: so fun story, whenever I'm sorry, graphic novels, graphic novels, action figure. the movie theater always has different commercials or like previews of stuff and game of thrones. And then I think Merlin were two that were being promoted all the time. I was like, man, that game of thrones one looks good as did the Merlin one. Obviously the Merlin one didn't survive because game of thrones was fucking lit. And so I was like, Hmm, I'm curious about this. So did a little research, found out there was books. I was like, Oh dope. Let me start reading the books. Before the show came on, show came on, started watching it. I called Trey. I was like, Trey, have you have you heard of this Game of Thrones? He's like, yeah, dude, I read that. This is what prompted us. Like we had, I think, a two or three hour conversation one night just solely off of Game of Thrones. And that's what prompted me to be like, hey, dude, I have this idea for a book. Let me know what you think. And then from there, that stemmed us wanting to write our own book, which uh, debuts 2029. I think, ish, <laughs> ish in that in that time frame, but we 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 wrote this whole story. We have this uh, this outline. We have this world. We have powers in it, but that's what originally stemmed from that. And so, what prompted me to do that was the fact that you know Trey was so interested in this, and I was also interested and intrigued. And so, I just started diving deep into it. And so, I know about the fucking Blackfire rebellions. I can tell you about uh, Damon fucking Blackfire. I can tell you about the dance of dragons. I can tell you about all of that shit. And so they're actually, I think, doing the the next show is supposed to be about the uh, dance with dragons, the original one.
2: That's the Targaryen conquest, right? What's that? That's the Targaryen conquest of
1: no. It's Stars- after that. This is at this okay. point they're they're established maybe like fifty to one hundred years in, um, okay. and it's about that.
0: Irvin, for the benefit of our listeners who were born and have only lived during COVID times and have never been in a group of people, what was it like sitting down with Trey to write your Game of Thrones-inspired outline, or you know, trying to work out your, your story that you were both inspired by Game of Thrones to write?
1: That was great times going over to their houses, all the t- or to Trey's house and his now current wife at the time girlfriend having dinner with them and then me and Trey just drinking and literally writing for hours upon hours I think the best day of writing that we ever had the most uh, advanced that we got was whenever for some of you you'll remember this store some of you will not Barnes and Nobles had a competitor that competitor was called
2: Borders do you remember
1: Borders however I thought you were going to say Hastings
2: (laughs) That wasn't a real competitor. Yeah,
1: no, it was Borders and Barnes & Noble. And so Borders obviously closed down because you don't know what that is. Now you're going to go Google it. And so they were closing down. So I remember us going into a Borders to go pick up books because they were like a quarter of the price of what they normally were, maybe less. So we were picking up and grabbing a bunch of stuff. And then we started just writing and we wrote that entire day. We went to a Starbucks, kept writing there, went back to his house, kept writing there. And so that uh, that feeling is awesome. I call it chasing the muse. I remember whenever we would write with Trey, we would have these moments of pure clarity where it just clicked. Like my idea and his idea just like fit like a puzzle, and then we were able to continue on from that. And I love that feeling because it it just it literally is like a puzzle piece and, and matching it, and you're like ah, oh, that's it just fits perfectly. So the story would sometimes write itself, and so that's a really good feeling that I imagine other artists have whenever they uh you know play music or they fucking write lyrics whatever the case may be
0: what were you checking out at bart what were you what were you buying at borders that's the thing between countries right
1: <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. i couldn't tell you I, I don't even remember what books that we bought it's like been so were, long. were you
0: buying other fantasy novels were you buying how to write a novel novels
1: do you remember yeah no it would have been it would have been just fiction like some picture, picture books of science, like science, science, science fiction like. <laughs> fucking
2: fantasy, fantasy. There's one there's one book that I remember looking at it now. It's the Encyclopedia of Secret Signs and Symbols. And so I it's do like remember a pretty that, that was one of it, your border's purchases. That was one of my border's purchases. And so it's it's this big heavy. It's like a coffee table book. Like this is like a textbook size, right? And usually those would go, you know, coffee table books aren't cheap. And textbooks aren't cheap, but it's, you know, the size of a textbook anyway, those would go for 50, 60, 70 bucks or whatever. And I think we ended up walking out of there with it for like five or 10 bucks or something like that. And so that was one of the reasons I was like, this would be pretty cool. Cause like the, you know, going back to, to the, to the writing portion of it, it was, we had to develop the world and we had to develop, um, the backstory for the different cultures and, and, and things like that. And so I was, I think that day in in specifically, we were looking for, um, you know, names like family names and first names and like,
1: I think we were looking for how to make the, uh, the magic within our world work and so that's right. where the, the symbols and stuff because you wanted to base it off of um we off were kind of, of toy in,
2: in general right yeah exactly yep yep and so that that yeah that came in there and so like that was a lot of the that was a lot of the effort that day and mm-hmm. so i just remember seeing that book and i was like this would be kind of dope like if there if it if it's rooted in something somewhat more tangible yeah so i don't know but you're i think your fandom of game of thrones is is pretty apt because you yeah like you said you got some somewhat into it and then you like i think if you've read all the books and watched all the movies then you're an enthusiast with game of thrones or i said movies the show yeah um but if you've read all the books watched the show Read anything beyond just the books, and then also some of the backstory stuff. So, like, you become like a George R. R. Martin fanboy. Then I think that that's your fandom. Like, you're more of a a stan than most people. Yeah,
1: I mean, I definitely know there's people that can out fucking class me in Game of Thrones, but I can hold my own with them. Like, I've actually same been, thing with Koei. And the funny thing is, because I'm so competitive, I've only ever been outclassed once. And the guy was able to name, like, all of the fucking swords from each of the families, including the ones that um, that are only, like, mentioned, like, once. I was like, yeah, dude, I don't even remember that one. So, Did you know that Ned Stark had a
0: sword called, I think it was Ice? That is correct.
1: That's all I know. And it got split into two. Do you remember the names of those? <sighs> Widow's Whale and Oathkeeper. Boom. Oh. Bravo. Ten points to Hufflepuff. That's an inside joke, but not an inside joke. It's because he's a nerd. It's because he's a nerd. And Harry Potter.
2: I mean, that would be another one.
0: Okay, so if Trey's fandom is deep sea diving, then Urban's fandom would be more akin to getting on a raft and floating downriver because he started at one place and he let the Game of Thrones fandom carry him adrift.
1: Yeah, let's, that's uh, fair. Let's go with that. So then, Brian, enlighten us with uh, with your fandom. What are you most nerdy about? I don't have the deep dive that Trey talked
0: about, and I wouldn't say that I've got the flight of fancy that Irvin talked about. So if my fandom is water based or some sort of water sport it's probably going to be me sitting on the beach drinking beer. Like I'm not working that hard at it. (laughs) I don't do a lot with it, but it's just, it's nice. And I I get to do it for forever. So I'll say mine is probably, I have on probably embarrassed to admit this or should be on every Monday, Wednesday and Friday for the past, I think it's close to 19, 20 years now. I've read Penny Arcade, that has very faithfully put out a new comic strip online for the past, no, well, it's like 21, 22 years since 1999. I think is when they started publishing. Again, my fandom's not that deep. I, th- I would say the the depth of my fandom is reading the comics faithfully. They are not, uh, they don't have a continuity to them, which was their original conceit. So you can literally pick up one, and it's just going to be a pop culture commentary. And then go to another one 400 episodes away and they will be completely unrelated. There's no need to have a, a consistent storyline. There are some motifs and images and jokes that get recycled. But mostly it's, it's just two nerds talking about nerdy stuff. I have listened to their Dungeons and Dragons podcast, Acquisitions Inc. I find that to be very delightful. Uh, that was... That was the second stage of my D&D madness after I contracted it watching that first episode of Stranger Things where I was like, <laughs> oh, there's been something missing in my life. So that was that was obviously the the first bite of that disease that I got. And then listening to Acquisitions, Inc. by Penny Arcade, where they have a lot of fun role playing on D&D. And the other... I would say the other thing I've done is I've gone to two of the Penny Arcade Expos. It's basically a big nerdy conference or... It's like a... I mean, it's, it's like what E3 used to be where you gather together and you look into the new nerdy game stuff that's coming out. They have presenters. They have board games that you can test and try and things like that and just gather with a bunch of nerds. And as fun as that was, I think it might... I don't know how to say this my nerddom my fandom has always been a very private very intimate thing it's not something that i've shared with a lot of people throughout my life like i don't i don't celebrate it the way that i think a lot of, and I, I think it's really cool that a lot of people celebrate it that way but to go around and to see a bunch of people dressed up like comic book characters and chun lee and shit like that i just look around and I'm like god damn you nerds what are you doing? <laughs> All the while, I'm there to play Dungeons and Dragons and figure out like what, what's the new video game that that Dragon Ball Z uh, is licensing. Like, it, like again, it's it's it is supremely hypocritical, but it's just it's that's not the way that I've ever manifested my nerdiness. Kettle, have you met? Oh no, I I'm not I'm like I'm not I'm not saying this being like oh let's get nerds. I need to play D&D quite like alone in the basement like me. Like that's like I, I, I get that it's hypocritical. It's just like I don't understand it. And I'm really grateful that those people enjoy it and they have a place to gather. But you know, like I said, it's just it, my, mine's a more, you know, I'd rather watch college football on the couch by myself than. No, I'd rather go to a game most of the time. But, you know, it's just I, I don't know. Like, I don't, I'm not a big crowd guy, I guess, for that sort of thing. Yeah. Tailgating, bro. So that's that's my biggest fandom is is Penny Arcade. I'm not real deep into it. I don't you know, if they close on tomorrow, I'd be like, oh that's But sucks. you've been you've been a loyal fan for twenty plus years. Yeah, I remember and Trey, you remember you may remember this. Uh there was another guy another guy named Brian actually who brought printouts of the comic onto the bus and we would read them from the printouts. And he The thing that I always found most appalling about that was not that this comic book or this like cartoon had dirty words and people that stabbed each other's eyes out. It was that this dude, this fucker Brian had a color printer. What was that all about? What kind of rich asshole
2: parents did he have? Yeah, because I just had to buy ink for my color printer and put me back 100 bucks and I'm pissed. I'm still pissed. It was weeks ago. I'm pissed. Fist. Yeah,
0: and you and I are like adults now, and, and it's like have fucking to color printer having assholes. Yeah,
2: color That's printer, hilarious. and you are printing off stuff that can be easily viewed online. Just yeah,
0: no, yeah, waste. What are you doing? What are you doing with your life?
1: Waste. You know what I thought about another fandom that uh, that I've been big into, and it basically you spurned me because it's like you've been watching this since or reading this since you know I don't know you were like twelve or something or younger. Greek mythology. I'm actually huge into Greek mythology. Yeah. Always have been. I usually read the Iliad at least once a year. I don't think I've read it the past couple years, but I read the Iliad, the Odyssey all the time. Troy's one of my favorite movies. I took two years of uh, elective. Basically, all my electives were about Greek mythology. Like, I remember taking.
0: Trey, do I have to be the one that makes the joke about him just liking shirtless men wrestling each other?
2: Yeah, you can be that one.
0: I'm not going to do it. I'm above that, Irvin. I love you and I respect you too much.
1: <laughs>
0: you know, and, and what, another one. That, what what so, Greek like,
1: mythology are you reading, buddy? I don't think that's Greek mythology. That's all Greek
0: mythology. That's
1: it. That's it. all of it. The Iliad is
0: literally the story of Achilles, who's like, Patroclus, I love you.
2: You know, I thought another. I thought of another fandom that you. I I, I figured you were going to say Penny Arcade. That was my thought for you, but then Calvin and Hobbes. Yeah, that was it. Calvin yeah, and Hobbes. That's what
1: I thought. I, I thought he was going to go with that. But.
0: No, I, I, I love Calvin and Hobbes, and I think Bill Watterson. Watterson or Waterson, Waterson, Whatever. I think. No Watterson. I, I think he's wonderful, and I respect that he hung it up before he had to start compromising any more than he wanted to. But I, I like the idea of Calvin and Hobbes. I wouldn't say that I've dedicated the man hours to
2: it, that I have Penny Arcade. I mean, because there's, I mean, there's something to be said, like, yeah, Coheed, I've devoted the man hours and the time, and, and, and all of those are always listening, reading, listening again, and then actually going to shows, right? And so that there's there's all of that combined, but, like, Harry Potter has been a huge fandom of mine for, for a long time now. You know, I started reading that in junior high, middle school, junior high, something like that, and... You know, read it all the way up into college and watched the movies. And, you know, I have a Pottermore, or what is it called now? Wizarding World or whatever it is account. You know, had a Pottermore account, now have a Wizarding World account. But I, you know, I didn't. Th- there's other things that you can do with that, which is like the games. You know, they have the mobile game and then they had like the video games that came out that were associated with the movies and stuff. And I never did really play any of those. But.
0: Well, but were any, were any of the Harry Potter games any good, or is it kind of like when Jurassic Park, the movie, came out, they did a shitty licensed Game Boy game that I played that was utter fucking garbage, and it's not like you're a better Jurassic Park fan because you've played the garbage... Li- I mean, think of how many shitty licensed games there are out there. Like, Are there any actually good... Harry Potter games other than Harry Potter Lego which is probably just like every other Lego game
2: yeah I don't know I don't know I haven't played them so uh, I I think I started playing uh, Hogwarts Mystery or whatever which is the mobile game that Mm -hmm. that they have that came out not too terribly long ago I guess within the last year or so and I played it for like 30 minutes to an hour or something like that and then it was just a lot of repetitive bullshit that you had to like level up and I was like nope i ain't got time for that
1: you are absolutely right about that trey ain't nobody got time for that ain't nobody got time for that well to pretty much summarize everybody's fandoms you had coheed and cambria we did that all fucking out trey covered the shit out of that from there we had me going over just kind of some broad strokes you know talking about dc a little bit game of thrones pretty much was the big thing and then finally you had penny arcade with brian Well, that is pretty much summed up. So I hope y'all enjoyed the episode. We'll catch y'all on the next episode. And here is the outro.